Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. So yesterday was Halloween, and we uh, we think the numbers were up from the last couple of years. Obviously, with COVID, that uh, that put a damper on everything. But uh, before that, maybe it was rainy or too cold, or for one reason or another, it's felt like for years now the numbers have dwindled completely. And uh, perhaps now that we're pretty much out of COVID, or allowed to do a lot more than we were uh, this time last year, it seemed like the numbers were pretty good at our place. And probably about forty-five, fifty kids, something like that. Yeah, we had. Uh, I think we had about a typical amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all. I'm always surprised at how how low our numbers are mm. in general, but. And then again, our street is getting older, and I didn't see a lot of lights on hmm. uh, yesterday for for kids to trick or treat. So maybe they know to just to, to stay away from our compound. Maybe I mean I know a lot of uh, people were saying they weren't going to hand out candy this year. Yeah, the, the numbers were really shockingly low. Like less than fifty percent mm-hmm. said they were going to take part in handing out the candy. So we had uh, we had a quite the little display. Maria makes this like snowman pumpkin. It's like three pumpkins stacked up on like a snowman would look. Only pumpkins, but it's a killer pumpkin, and he's he's skinned and tortured other pumpkins, and there's pumpkin bits all over the lawn, which right. I guess I have to clean up now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we also had uh, because of my um, my son Daniel, his girlfriend Ariel, who lives with us, is. Uh, uh, big into Squid Game, as so many people have uh, been watching that. And I actually just watched the first episode on Friday. Okay. And it's crazy. I mean, it's violent as all get out, but it, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to watch it. But uh, Squid Game, of course, because it's the big thing, uh, a lot of, I saw a lot of uh, kids, you know, dressed up in Squid Game kind of uh, characters. Right. And uh, we have a pumpkin that Ariel did. She designed it with the Squid, uh, Squid Game logo. And about... A day or so ago, she put the pumpkin out, but a day or so ago, we got a little stick of note by the pumpkin with the symbol on one side and a number to call on the back, which is a part of the show. Oh, all right. And so we wondered, well, first of all, we thought that was really cool that somebody went and did that because obviously they got the, the logo and they thought it would be funny to do that, which we thought was terrific. And but we kept wondering, well, who dropped off this stick of note with the number? So we're handing out the candy, and, and around come, like, three little girls. They they had to be, if, if they were 12, uh, I'd be shocked. They had to be younger, I think. Anyhow, they said, oh, you, you got, did you get the, the note for the, the phone number to call? And we go, it was you who did it? Because <laughs> we thought maybe it was a teenager or right, something, yeah. right? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we did it. We, th- we did it to a few homes where we saw, like, Squid Game stuff. And I said, oh, that's, you know, that's really cool. You get extra candy, whatever. And I right. go, I can't, I, I said, I just started watching it. I can't believe you watched it. You go, oh, yeah, we watched the whole thing. It's great. So after I'm thinking to myself, what is up with parents these days? <laughs> I mean, we won't let them play on the front lawn alone because we're afraid somebody's going to snatch them. Right. But we'll let our kids sit in the house and watch the most ultra-violent show. It's, yeah. it's It's surprising. It's the same with sex versus violence. A kid sees a boob on the TV. We lose our flipping minds as parents. But we, we let them watch people slaughtering each other. This is fine. It, it seems uh, that we hover a lot outside the confines of the doors and then don't hover at all yeah. inside. Right, and some of it might be kind of like the keeping up with the Joneses, because especially with like Squid Game and shows right. like this, where it's you know, oh, little Billies, you know, they get to watch it. Their sure. parents let them watch it and say, okay, well, maybe we got to look into this, and it's not as bad as you you think it is. And then you let them watch it, and you realize, oh yeah, 
it it's that bad. Like I again, I've only seen the first episode, and maybe it isn't as violent. Uh, you know, maybe it settles down, but. I'm sensing this is a roller coaster, and it's only going to get worse. Right. Like, I think every episode is probably going to be worse. When we were growing up, our, our parents' answer to any of that was always, well, if Billy was going to jump off a bridge, uh-huh. would you? Yeah. And and, and now it's, and it, maybe it's the influence of social media where everyone knows what everyone else's kids are doing, and and, uh, and you're trying to, to keep up the appearance that you're the cool one as well, or you're... Maybe. More liberal with things, and you let them watch it. I don't know. Well, maybe we don't ask that question as parents anymore because Billy wouldn't be allowed on a bridge. <laughs> Billy's not allowed out of the house, so how's he going to jump off of anything? He's attached to his mother with a leash like he's a puppy, and he's 18. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I just think, like, I remember when my boys were younger. Okay, we did, do we have, we had the internet and all that, but we didn't, you know, it, it wasn't certainly to where it is now. But I, I think. Unless I'm just being delusional, but I think if something like that came along uh, and they said, can we watch it? Maria and I would have checked it out first and probably said no. Like, I remember saying no to them watching Family Guy right. when they were, were quite young. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, maybe it's just a, a babysitter and who cares? It's just t- TV, but I don't know. It, it seemed to me, you can mess with your kid's head letting them watch something like that too young, Yeah, I think. Anyhow, that's just me. Right. I don't know. I mean, they caught me watching porn all the time. They seem fine. So what do I know? Alec Baldwin uh, was out with his wife and kids. Uh, I think they're, uh, I think they live in Vermont or I know they, they were in, they were living in Manhattan and then he had that fight over the parking spot with the, uh, the guy. They've got multiple houses. Yeah, they got a lot of kids. Anyhow, they moved out of that condo they had in Manhattan. They were leaving, living in Connecticut or something like that. Anyhow, he's driving with his wife and kids and the paparazzi is following him around, and he finally pulls over, gets out of his vehicle. Him and his wife both get out. They both got their cell phones pointed at the paparazzi, filming them as well in case anything goes down. And um, he approached them and uh, had this to say to them. I'm not allowed to make any comments because it's an ongoing investigation. I've been ordered by the sheriff's department in Santa Fe. I can't answer any questions about the investigation. I can't. It's an active investigation in terms of a woman died. She was my friend. She was my friend. The day I arrived in Santa Fe to start shooting, I took her to dinner with Joel, the director. We were a very, very, you know, well-oiled crew shooting a film together, and then this horrible event happened. Do you think production will start up again on No, I don't. Anything else? Okay. So just do me a favor, you know, my, my kids are in the car crying. Because you guys are following me. No, I want to do As a courtesy to you, I came to talk to you. Now, please, would you just not follow us for the rest of this? Just, leave us just go home. Now, the whole, actually, uh, the whole clip, the whole conversation with the paparazzi is about four and a half minutes long. So that's, that's an edited version of it. He, he speaks about gun control and how he'd like to see less gun use in films. And that's something he's going to start promoting. And uh, he mentions over and over and over again about, uh, about how he can't really talk about it because it's still an ongoing investigation. And his wife, who, as I said, was standing there beside him, a couple of times she tries to step in and say something. And he says to her, please, let me handle this. Right. So. Uh, he looks completely, uh, you know, still very overwhelmed as the audio is a little off where he speaks of the cinematographer dying and, you know, the car, a car goes by. So you kind of miss that. But you, he, he says a few times within it how close they were, how friendly they were, how, you know, and then the paparazzi can't remember her name. And so his wife kind of goes after them and, and says, look, it, you're following us around. You, you want all these details. You don't even have the respect to know the woman's name. So. Right. 
It was yeah. interesting. And I think good of him to stop and do that. Although if he believes that's going to, you know, ward them off, I, I think he's in, in some more... Uh, yeah, I think that was fi- just kind of a, a move of desperation saying, listen, I can't tell you anything. Mm-hmm. You know, here's what I have to say. Stop following me yeah. uh, for today. And, and that's that's the tough part about... You know, celebrity when it comes to movie stars, that sort of thing. They're not on set. They're not at work. They're mm-hmm. not on a on a sales junket to pitch their movie. They just you know driving around town with their mm-hmm. kids. But this is a real life scenario for for what happens to so many celebrities, and you know, not even the ones that are in the news, like Alec Baldwin, those who aren't are still followed constantly yeah. because. You know, the paparazzi's job is, you know, they're photographers and cameramen and interviewers, and that's, their job is to get some sort of uh, shot or take from them anytime they can. Yeah, and, and Alec Baldwin has had a, a long history with them, uh, and it's always been a, a pretty uh, tumultuous relationship. I mean, he, remember when he got in a fight, he got sued because he got in a fight with uh, one guy outside of uh, his home in California when him and Case, uh, Kim Basinger brought home Ireland, their daughter, mm-hmm. way back then. Where he stormed out of the car like uh, Ray Liotta in uh, Goodfellas and stomped up to the paparazzi and took a swing at one of them. It really is a give and take relationship, right? Like it's uh, you, you need in Hollywood to stay relevant sometimes. Yeah. So you need the press and you need to to be in you know you know, all those gossip magazines that you see at the the grocery store counters. Yeah. Uh, you know you kind of need to be in those. At the same time, to be in those, you have to be followed around relentlessly and it's yeah. got to be annoying yeah and there's some of them who you know and off the top of my head i can't really think of any names but there's some you know big stars who really go unnoticed like they, they however they operate their life they, yeah. they get on with well, it tom well, hanks in the world would probably be yeah that, right? he's out, well he's when he's not crashing weddings right but uh yeah they just they, they stay out of it or or whatever they're doing in their life isn't interesting enough to bother snapping the photos or when they do it's just getting a coffee or grabbing food or... i wonder if that's why you see some that are very very prevalent on social media like mm-hmm. instagram and tiktok and these sorts of things because that controls the narrative for them yeah. and keeps them out there to the point where they're on you know, they're taking so many selfies of themselves. Yeah. There's no point of having a paparazzi take a picture of them. No, very true. So anyhow, we will and we'll see how this plays out. And if uh, Alec has any more run-ins, I suspect if he has to stop and talk to them again, he's not going to be as pleasant right. the next time. Pete Davidson, this guy, he must write a book on uh, on how to how to date beautiful Hollywood starlets. Because he uh, he's pulling a David Spade. You know, Spade went through this for a while where he was just dating every woman in Hollywood, it seemed like. And women who were way out of David Spade's. Like, there was a point when he was dating Heather Locklear. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, David, uh, he made his way around town. Anyhow, Pete Davidson seems to be doing the same thing. It was rumored that he was uh, recently seeing uh, Kaylee Cuoco after they had filmed a movie together and she had divorced her second or third husband. I don't know where that's at because now he's seen walking around an amusement park holding hands with Kim Kardashian. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They were there with uh, Kim's sister, Courtney, her boyfriend, uh, Travis uh, Barker. And so that seems kind of like a double date to me. Yeah. This wasn't filming something for SNL or related? No. No, they were getting on roller coasters together. They were holding hands. Now, they say they're just friends and they... Hang in the same circle, so they you know see each other all the time. I got friends in a circle of friends. We we don't we don't hold hands to no. keep that circle going. No, no. <laughs> none. Anyhow, everybody, Pete Davidson, good on you, good on you, pal. Yeah, he plays that kind of uh, 
damaged, mm-hmm. quiet guy. Yep. Very well. I guess it works. It seems to, for sure. Uh, Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell are uh, certainly not traditional parents. He's got this armchair expert podcast he does where he shares a lot of their personal life. And I think that's terrific. Um, a while back, they were taking heat from people because they have this uh, bathing routine with their daughters. Or lack thereof. Lack thereof, where they, they believe you shouldn't be bathing them every day, that it's healthier to let their stink come in. And I think uh, Mila Kunis also hopped aboard with that idea that her and Ash, Ashton Kutcher are the same way. That none of them shower every single day. It's only kind of when they need to finally get rid of the stink. So anyhow, that's one thing they do. The other thing that Dax Shepard says is, you know, it's interesting having daughters. And again, they're, they're quite young. They're six and eight. He says, but every guy I meet has the same uh, comment where they say, oh, you better get a gun when those guys come around. Right. And that's a fairly general thing that most dudes say to their buddies when they, they have daughters. He says, but um, this notion that I have to protect my daughter's virginity with great prejudice, if necessary, says my response is, I don't want my daughters to have sex so they can get approval from somebody. He says, but if my daughters are horny and they want to have sex, that was my favorite activity. It remains my favorite activity. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I was in any way anti that activity. I'm I'm anti getting esteem from that activity, but that's about it. Okay. Now, again, his daughters are six or eight. I I, I, I get where he's going with it. Yeah, that's a little young, though. But but talking about them being horny, they're six and eight. Yeah. You know, I don't... uh, uh. Anyhow, his wife, Kristen Bell, he says that she teaches their, their daughters about consent. When she describes sex to her children... She says, and then the woman takes the man's penis and puts it in her vagina. She's describing this at yeah. six years old? Yeah. Again, I understand where she's going in that it's the woman's control. Right. And I, and I again, uh, I agree 100%. Yeah, a proper conversation to have, but it seems a little early. It's a little graphic. I, I mean, look, at, I know that my mom had the sex talk with me when I was probably about that age, but and it came very naturally. But it was more of the, when a husband and wife marry, you know... When they love one another, they make a baby, and and she described how babies were made. Right. I, I this this seems a little more, but it is twenty twenty one, and you don't have to be married to make babies, and there's a lot of things you don't have to do anymore. Um, but yeah, I listen very, I guess, different way of looking at things, and they're they are their children, so they can teach them any way they want. Uh, and I, I'm glad at least that they're talking sex with their children because it seems to me. From conversations I've had with parents and young children, the sex talk doesn't seem to happen as much anymore. It's it's it's, it's another one of those I don't know where it came off the, uh, the kind of important things to do. It seems to me a lot of parents uh, shy away from it. But you'd, you'd think they'd be more as we progress and we're more open minded, more woke about things. Right. That the, the topic of sex wouldn't still be so kind of shrouded in mystery. Yeah. Well, we told our boys to look out for the stork. Let's see. <laughs> Have you actually told you them see it coming? how a baby is made? Uh, I believe they've uh, they've they've learned that. Did you use hockey uh, analogy? Uh, that's right. You want to put the you want son? You want to put the biscuit in the basket? <laughs> and you know what I mean? You know the five hole. Uh, yeah, no. It, well, it, it is interesting too because I think what happens now is that sex is generally shared so much more in. Every TV show mm. and, and shows that they watch and conversations that are happening uh, throughout 
their the media right. that they that they're exposed to that it's it's certainly more prevalent. I think the talk needs to change in terms of you know the actual birds and bees as to more of the you know the emotion mm-hmm. that goes along with it and the protection, the safety oh, of yeah, it too, sure. right? Oh yeah, no, yeah, you got it. Well, with boys and girls. You know, but I remember having the con- uh, the condom conversation uh, with with my boys, and then again, I probably we saw a commercial or something came on and came up. And I, my basic drill was: look, I got your back on almost everything, but when it comes to making right and wrong decisions, if you have the choice, you've got the time to decide, and you make the wrong choice, then that's on you. Right. You know. So I said, so if you decide to not wear a condom and have unprotected sex, and you make a baby. That baby's your problem, not mine. Right. Now, Maria would have a totally different opinion. I was going to say, when when that baby comes yeah. into your arms, oh, yeah. and more importantly, her arms. Oh, she had not letting go. She's going to push that away and uh-huh. say, this is your to no, deal with? Not a chance. I would become the baby. <laughs> I don't want to raise another baby. Teddy Reader joins us for Helinda's Meets. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Craigie. Good morning, Lucky. Morning, Ted. How are you? Not too bad. Pretty happy guy. You're you always, know? you're a, well, for the most part, you're always a happy guy. And when you're not happy, we just stay away. <laughs> yeah, it's usually the best thing to do. <laughs> that angry chef comes out yeah. and then you just got to like, you know, yeah. yeah, get away from that guy. Yeah, we don't want to be around him. But uh, for the majority of the time, Teddy's uh, always a, a treat and a joy to be around. And uh, of course... Not only at his grill at home or wherever he travels, but also the king of the joint. And uh, the, the joint is still uh, operational and going even as we head into the fall, correct? We are. We are uh, Thursday through Saturdays, three uh, three days a week. And uh, But we're getting ready for the holiday catering season. Okay. So if you're looking to have a holiday party between now and uh, Christmas time, uh, give us a call at the joint or uh, reach out to me at, uh, on my uh, Instagram or uh, email me, ted at tedreader.com. Beautiful. And we'd love to cater a good party for you. Get all right. things all nice and tasty and have some fun. It's always excellent at the joint. So, Teddy, as we make our way into the fall, the cooler weather, um, we start to dining, of course, indoors more and uh, gathering with family as we can and friends once again. And the Sunday dinner has always been a pretty big uh, tradition in my family and uh, for many, uh, always including usually like a roast beef, Yorkshire puddings, all the trimmings, that type of thing. But Sunday dinners are a great one. Uh, any tips on um, putting together a great Sunday uh, dinner for the family? Well, you know, prime rib is always a beautiful, beautiful roast to do. And if you've got a whole bunch of people doing a whole prime rib is a tasty thing. But if you're just a small family, uh, a two-bone or a three-bone chunk of prime rib will do just perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to lightly score the outside of the prime rib and then insert some garlic into the slashes, mm-hmm. okay. right? All right. Push it in there. Get lots of garlic in there. Rub it down a little bit of, with uh, my bone dust steak spice or salt and pepper and garlic if you've got. And let that sit overnight so that flavor of garlic infuses before you go on to cooking your uh, prime rib. Okay, overnight. Wow. Overnight. Let mm. that garlic get in there. Let the flavor, let the spices. All right? Then I like to take it and put it in the smoker 235 degrees. And let it come up and use a little bit of oak wood, something dense and strong that can really handle that flavor of the beef. So oak, uh, hickory, maple, um, 
barrel staves from whether it be from wine or from bourbon those are all great woods to use uh, and cherry wood that'll get your uh, a nice flavor of uh, smoke coming into the meat and then you want to cook that up to an internal temperature of no more than 130 degrees 135 degrees which will give you a nice medium rare pull it out let it rest and then slice it thin that's it Ted, yeah, you don't you don't want to overcook it, even though a prime rib has lots of internal fat and marbling, and even if you cooked it to well done, it'll still be moist. Um, but really, medium rare is the best on that. The key to me for uh, for prime rib, uh, Ted, is always the gravy or the jus that goes with it. And, and um, I know at the joint you've got an unbelievable beer gravy. What, what what's the trick to making a great gravy to go along with it? Beer. Just right there. Just beer. Beer Any is beer? what does it. <laughs> well, we start we start with a really good, uh, strong beef stock. Okay. And uh, we thicken that, and we add in a little bit of beer, and we add in a touch of uh, barbecue sauce into that uh, gravy that we do. Just a little bit. And gives a nice back finish of tomato and, and flavor coming through. Beautiful. And that's it. But uh, we use a nice dark stout, like a Guinness. Okay. Works really well in it. Or something local would even be great. Um, and, and make it tasty and simple, man. Slow it down. Cook nice and easy. And don't rush. And then you'll make tasty. And even even if you uh, don't uh, don't have the coin to buy the prime rib and you're going to go with a cheaper uh, piece of roast beef, I guess you can do the, the same thing, right? Put the slashes in it, put the garlic in, uh, smoke it, or even on the grill, right? Indirect heat. Or uh, rotisserie, too, yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess, yeah, you yeah. put it on the rotisserie as well, right? Rotisserie is awesome. For prime rib, ro- rotisserie is unbelievable as well. All We're right. going to run it a little bit hotter than than uh, than 235 on a rotisserie. You'll probably be pushing up more around that 325 to 400 degrees. Okay. And you'll get a nice caramelization on the outside of the uh, of the prime rib and the roast, and it'll be fantastic. Beautiful. And I guess those slashes into the meat, they're not going to cause any of the tasty uh, drippings and juices to run out as it's cooking. No, no, okay. no, no. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. That Beautiful. garlic's in there giving lots of flavor. Excellent. You don't want to go super deep. It's just a little. It's like a sure. half inch yep. at the most. Okay. Very good, Ted. I think I'm going to do a roast this coming weekend. Sounds um, great. Well, that's what we've got on the special this week is uh, prime rib. Shaved prime rib. Perfect. Well, then I don't have to cook it. I'll just <laughs> go to the joint. What am I doing? Just come on up to the joint. We'll make it for you. Beautiful, Teddy. How do people get a hold of you once again? You're going to find me at Ted Grills or at Ted Reader Barbecue the Joint on Instagram. If you remember a few weeks back, uh, Doug Elliott and myself had our first official Johnny Walker off. Oh, we're at this golf match. Yeah. yeah, at Stonehenge. This is where Doug plays the back tees. I play the uh, the front, or the reds, whatever we want to call them. Just beyond, just behind the junior tees. Yeah, the uh, forward tees. Forward tees is what yes. they're called. Yeah, so um, we got nine holes in and then got shut down. We had to pack it in for the day. And at that stage, uh, I was uh, up four strokes. Okay. And so at first, we kind of declared me the winner and called it a day. Who, and then, Hang on. Who declared this? Well, actually, um, I think Doug at first said uh, congratulations or whatever. And then I, I said, well, we didn't really play 18. And right. then after I thought, well, I skated by that one. Let's call it. Yeah. So I... <laughs> So anytime it came up after that, I uh, I said, well, I won. I, there's no reason to carry on. Anyhow, yesterday was really nice, and we ended up at Stonehenge uh, playing 18. So we finished our back nine. Oh, really? Yeah. So hang on. So you played 18 again. 
Yeah, yeah, well, we only played nine the first time. Yes. And we got shut down. Today we played 18, but we only played another nine to finish Okay. To finish that. So did you do this the first nine or the second nine? We should have used the second nine because the first <laughs> nine was not good for Craigie. <laughs> so uh, I was up four strokes. Remember right. that going in? Yes. Only had nine holes to play. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Overall, for 18, both gains counted. 120 for me. Fell apart yesterday. 120? Yeah, worst game I've had in... I was... Well, I'll tell you what happened. So this was yesterday, or is this counting the first nine yeah. and now this one? Yeah, so 18. All okay, in, gotcha. This is your total. Okay. 120. Uh, you shot 120? I, oh yeah, I pooped the bed completely. Dug 107. <laughs> really? So I was... Yeah. That, and that's a, that's probably a reality for Doug. I, well, that's... The, the, I don't know what's scary. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will give him this. He absolutely, at Stonehenge, the first round, he fell apart. Right. On seven, he ended up in the cornfields and was shooting out of there at five or six. Like, right. didn't get down to the green till about, like, double digits, gotcha. right? I did the same thing on seven yesterday, only I ended up on the other side in the fescue, where at one point I picked up the ball and threw it. Which I think is a, is a stroke. Yes. Well. And, uh, <laughs> and I was so deep into the fescue that it's I couldn't, more an aneurysm than I a couldn't stroke. even throw it out of the fescue onto the fairway. It still landed back in the fescue. Where I then proceeded to, to take my hybrid and whack away at the ground. You know when you can't get it because it's just digging deeper? Right. Must have taken seven strokes. Okay. Uh, in, in the fescue. That would be a. I, uh, I took it a 17, 16 or a 17 <laughs> on, on seven. <laughs> And there's where you get a buck twenty. Rock mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 949 The Rock.